Here, here's the deal, Linda. And, and you know I love everyone, no matter what color you are. If we had a choice as to what color we could be, and I can see people acting the food. Aha, you chose the wrong color. We don't have a choice. We're all made the same. I mean, God made us all the same. So this whole thing about race and color is the dumbest stuff I've ever seen. This episode is sponsored by Encourage X, where you can manage all of your encouragement needs in one place. Personal, authentic, and consistent. EncourageX.com, where relationships mean everything. Well, as you can see, our guest today probably doesn't need much of an introduction. Um, He is Clyde the Glide Drexler. Um, I could go on and on. So what, Olympic gold medalist, NBA champion, in the Hall of Fame, um, one of the 50 most fantastic basketball players ever on the planet. And it goes on and on. So that and $12 will get you in the movies. (laughs) Clyde, thanks so much for, for coming in to talk to us today. Really, really appreciate it. So So I got to know Clyde um, back in the day when I was anchoring the news and I had the opportunity to cover your championship season back in 1995. That was a long time ago. We were both so much younger. So much. So much younger. We're still young and fabulous. That's right. Young and fabulous. That's what I'm going for. So you have now moved to the other side of the microphone Mm -hmm. as a sports broadcaster for the Houston Rockets. For many years, uh, I I think I started in 2004 or three. So it's been about 16, 18, 20 years. But who's counting? (laughs) It's been fun uh, broadcasting. A little color, a little commentary, a little humor to the Rockets game. The games are jam-packed, action-packed, and always a lot of fun. So there's not a whole, they see the game. And so it's been a lot of fun to interject your knowledge, your wit, and a little humor into a great game. A lot of humor. I love listening (laughs) to you. I do. Um, So when you finished playing, you did a stint for a couple of years um, Mm -hmm. at the University of Houston as a coach. And that was going back to your alma mater, back to Phi Slamma Jamma days. So tell us about that. Well, that was a great experience to be a head coach at your alma mater. We were Phi Slamma Jamma back in the days we were a national sensation. And so to go back and be the head coach uh, was a labor of love. Mm. I wanted to give back. The program had had hit rock bottom. Uh, They were having trouble endowing scholarships. They needed to raise money. So I agreed to take the job to help them out get the program back up to where it should be. Mm-hmm. So we endowed all of the scholarships. We had donors coming in, giving money back to the school, back to the program. And so we made sure the program was going to go on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did it for two years to give back. And I had a great time coaching these young student athletes uh, who were phenomenal young men. Everyone who I uh, brought to the university or coach was able to get their degree in those two years that I was there. Wow. I mean, I had a 100% success rate, and that's what I'm most proud, on top of raising money, making sure the program is going to go on in perpetuity. Well, the, and the program is on fire right yes. about now. Oh, my yes. goodness. They're doing great things. They are. Do you go to the games very often? Well, when I'm not traveling or when yeah. I'm not at the Rockets game. Yeah. I mean, in, in your spare time. Not, you know, with doing things with the big three. Yeah, tell and us so, about the big three. Well, the big three is professional three-on-three basketball, half court. We're in the third year of it, and it's played by ex-NBA players, guys that we would all know. It's coached by NBA Hall of Famers and legends, 
We have the first professional men's league that ladies are the head coaches, like Nancy Lieberman. Now Lisa Leslie will be head coaches really? in our league. And it's a well, we got a lot of fans popular around the world. Our games are broadcast in like 50 different countries. And it's a very popular sport. That's a big job. <laughs> it, it, it really is. And as commissioner, you know, started by Jeff Quantinitz and Ice Cube. Uh, and those guys are phenomenal guys to work with day in and day out. So uh, as I was preparing for this interview today, as I said, I've known Clyde for a long time, but um, I, there are lots of things that I don't know about you. And one of the things that I read um, was that back in the day when you were being recruited from, was it Sterling High School? It was. Sterling yes. High yes. School. And you had an opportunity to go to either University of Houston and what were the other two uh, that were after you? Rice and Texas Tech. And Tech Tech. New Mexico State. Right. Okay. Yeah. Not many. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's enough. Okay. But especially when you couldn't afford it, you needed to have a scholarship. Sure. That was a lot. That, that was plenty. That was a lot. Yes. Okay. So you ended up, um, Guy V. Lewis. Was the head coach. Was the head coach at U of H. And, um, and when he made the decision to bring you on the team, he got some flack. What was that about? Well, just a lot of people don't know talent. <laughs> <laughs> and as a matter of fact, Guy Lewis didn't really even recruit me, so he didn't even know what my game was. Okay. Uh, the, the, it's a long story short, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll make it as short as I can. There was a, the head coach at Texas Tech was, was a guy named Gerald Myers. Texas Tech is in Lubbock. He had an assistant, Rob Evans, who went on to coach Arizona State and does a lot of good things today. Mm -hmm. But Gerald Myers was an institution along with Guy Lewis. And in the Southwest Conference, those guys were good friends, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 well-regarded coaches. Mm -hmm. And so Gerald Myers had been recruiting me for about a year and a half. And he would always ask me, he said, the University of Houston hadn't called you? I said, nope, not yet. And he would just die laughing. Because every time I came on a visit, they brought me up as much as they could. Mm -hmm. He would have me play against the guys who were leaving, who were seniors. And I don't think I ever lost a game. Wow. And he used to go, wow, this guy's phenomenal. And he goes, University of Houston don't know about you? I go, they hadn't called me yet. <laughs> and so he, he and Guy Lewis were great friends. And so he, they, I think they were drinking buddies or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so he sent Guy Lewis a, a letter because I had committed verbally to Texas Tech. So he felt comfortable enough to give Guy a little rib, okay. a little ribbing, right? So he sent him a letter and he said, Guy, you're a big dummy or something like that. <laughs> I said, Guy Lewis later showed me the letter. He said, I got the best player in the state of Texas. And your guys, you and your whole staff don't even know who this guy is. He said, I got you this and time. And he's right in so your he got you. But he sent him the letter that was supposed to arrive after the signing date. The letter arrived two days before the signing date, right? And so now Guy Lewis gets this letter and he goes, well, who's this guy? So he started calling everyone that he was recruiting. Linda, who's the best player you played against? And if you said Sean, well, Sean's on the list. David's on the list. Yeah. So he would call everyone. So finally, he got to Mike Young, who's one of my best friends and the best player in the state of Texas on paper, right? And so he said, Mike, you know, I've been trying to catch you all day. Who's the best player you played against? He said, that's easy. That guy Sterling or Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drex is not on the list. <laughs> Guy Lewis was at my house 30 minutes later. Wow. <laughs> and the rest is and history. I convinced, and I wanted to go there because I wanted to yeah. play with Rob Williams, Larry Mishaw. And so I convinced Mike to go to University of Houston with me. 
because that's where I wanted to go. Finally, Guy Lewis called. Wow. So it's a long story. If it wasn't been for Gerald Myers, by Slim and Jamma may have it never may happened. May have never happened. Yeah, yeah. How about that? I thank him every time I see him. <laughs> well, you, you've witnessed a lot in your years, uh, both at U of H and then through the NBA. I know you've traveled overseas a lot, mm-hmm. both, um, you know, with the league, et cetera. Um, you've seen a lot of changes going on. So where, where do you think the league is now? Well, I think the league is in a good place. Uh, the, the game is ever changing. It's going to always have new faces, new players. The more it changes, the more it stays the same. Uh, the money is a lot higher than when we played. Uh, and, and the game is still a very good product. But, but, you know, these young guys today are phenomenal to watch. And uh, even though they're making a lot of money, they still keep it very professional. I'm curious to get your take on um, a different league, the NFL, and the controversy that they've had to endure in recent, the last year or so, with the players taking a knee and Colin uh, uh, Kaepernick. What's your take on that whole situation? Well, the NFL is a great um, uh, sport. I mean, it's a great uh, franchise, football. Uh, but I think a lot of their pain is self-inflicted. If you just listen to the guys and just have a communication, a line of communication, and respect those guys, you would not have a problem. I think the problem comes because there is no communication. And then when things actually happen, and even though they tell you what they're doing, you you turn it into something else. And that's unheard of. And that's why they have a big problem. And so it's it, it's almost like they don't really care what you think. And so the players pick up on that. Right. And so there's to get respect, you have to give it. <laughs> and so that's that's a big part of their problems. That's interesting because you know, as as a as a fan and just you know a layperson like every everybody else out there who watches the NFL, and when when Colin first took the knee and explained what he was doing and why he was doing it, um, and what it was and what it wasn't. It somehow got morphed into um, it being about something other than protesting uh, Black Lives Matter, you right, know, protesting right. the well, police but, shootings of, of African Americans. If, if you do males. something and the guy asks you, why'd you do that? And you say, I'm protesting police brutality. Right. A lot of unarmed black kids getting killed and shot down. Mm-hmm. And there are mass murderers who with a gun and you don't shoot them guys and they didn't shot 10 guys. Now, how does this happen in America today over and over and over? Right. So it's a problem. For you to act like there's not a problem, you got a problem, okay? Right. And so the fact that these guys are bold enough and brave enough to, to take a knee, to, to bring attention to that, because it needs to be some sort of reform. And yeah. so these guys are brilliant. They know that I'm going to use my celebrity to bring to shine a light on something that needs to be shined on. And so the NFL... Instead of saying, you know, this guy's a hero, he's a captain of our uh, of our moral integrity, uh, there needs to be something done. And it would have been over, you know. But instead, they went the other route. And this country has a history of going the other route <laughs> and making things more difficult. And so we have to learn from each other. and We all got to get along, got to have more tolerance, more patience. And if you just look on the other side and see what the other people are feeling, I think you'll 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 see their point of view. As as a, a player 
did you have instances where you were you were dealing with things because of your race? Well, as a player, you know, you love being a. I love being a black man. I'm the proudest black man ever. Everything I want, everything black. Shoes, <laughs> pants, everywhere. My golf clubs, everything black. I'm the proudest black because here, here's the deal, Linda. And and you know, I love everyone, no matter what color you are. I do. Know if that. we had a choice. As to what color we could be. And I can see people acting a fool. Aha, you chose the wrong color. We don't have a choice. We're all made the same. I mean, God made us all the same. So this whole thing about race and color is the dumbest stuff I've ever seen. We're all the same. And whoever don't think you are, they got a real problem. And there's a lot of miseducation there. And so for the proudest black man in the world, I don't understand what the problem is. Show patience, show tolerance, to especially to people who are not like you. They may have a different experience. But remember, they are someone's kid. That's someone's child. That's someone's brother, sister. So everyone deserves respect. So I don't understand how do we miss that very basic rule over and over again. It, it's it's dumbfounding to me. It, <laughs> Unbelievable. It, it, it truly is. Because it's like you say, we all bleed the same red blood. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, we didn't have a choice. I've never heard anybody put it that way. <laughs> you don't but have I a love that. You know, you it's not like we all have a choice, something. right? You can't take credit for something you had nothing to do with. Nothing to do with. Nothing. Nothing. And then try to say, because I look like this, I'm the greatest race ever. Get the hell out of here. I mean, that's <laughs> the dumbest. I mean, that is the dumbest statement ever. People are people. You got to judge people on the individual merit and try to have patience and know that they're just like you. Everyone in the, everyone that you meet, they want safe schools for their kids. They want to live in safe neighborhoods. They want to have good jobs. They want to have security. They want to have vacations. They want, we all want the same thing. We want to eat good food. We want to exercise and, and live healthy. What's, we got 2% of differences and that's all people seem to focus on, right. which is the dumbest thing ever. And you know, I think a lot of times it's, it's, it's ignorance and it's fear of the unknown. And that's why it's so important to try and get to know people who aren't like you to broaden your circle of friends and acquaintances and business associates so that you get to experience what somebody who you might consider to be the other is really like. And you'll find out that, Hey, guess what? They're just like me. Oh, just like you and everyone's (laughs) the same. And that's one of the advantages of actually being a minority in this country. We have friends of all races. Mm. A lot of uh, people with the majority, Caucasian majority, they don't have many minority friends. And so they really don't know how to react when they're around you. Yeah. And I tell all my Caucasian friends, and I got a ton of them, all, 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 all different nationality, that when you invite me to parties at your house or you make sure I'm not the only minority that you know. <laughs> <laughs> you better know some other minority. That's impossible in this day and age. You say you. that to your friends? Oh, quite often. Really? Like Just like we're speaking. And, and make and a joke about it. They, they die laughing because they say, you know what? You're right. So I don't want to be the only black man in the house. Exactly. So when you have a party at your house, you got 200 people. Don't you make me and the servers the only black people there. <laughs> <laughs> And they think, you know, you're right. I never thought of it like that. Well, so. you know, you're you're such an affable, um, um, approachable person. I think that really serves you well. And I think probably people who might be put off 
are not put off because you're so direct, but and you've got this big, beautiful smile on your because face. But you're speaking the truth. <laughs> but you're speaking the truth. And a lot of times it's not intentional yeah. for, for my race. I never thought about it. I just don't, I'm not anywhere where there are other people that look like you. Yeah. And so it's not their fault, but I think you got to go out of your way to include, uh, just get some new friends. Just try to befriend people that you wouldn't ordinarily and, and it, make sure they don't work for you. <laughs> you want real friends. There okay? is a distinction yeah, there, right? Yes, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I know you travel a lot all over the world. Um, I'm curious as to, um, what you're seeing as you as you travel around the world about people's reactions now to America and Americans, have you noticed a difference? And you know what are you what are you seeing and hearing? I just see people just being a little bit more concerned about themselves, and and this is a great big world with a lot of resources. There's enough for everyone. We shouldn't have problems like hunger, homelessness. Uh, those problems should be eradicated. I mean, we have so much wealth. In all of this world, that why are, and the few people that are struggling, we should have a, a system in place to help these people. A lot of it, uh, sometimes they don't want help, and sometimes they're a little uh, dysfunctional. But we we should have a place for them as well. <laughs> I I completely agree with you. I do. Have you ever thought about running for office? You know, all my friends tell me that, but I don't have the patience. I'm way too honest. And, and, and I like things to happen quick. So if you spend time finding solutions, those solutions should go in place very quickly. And in politics, that's a lot of red tape. Things don't always happen as they should. A lot of special interests, not always in the best interest of the people that they serve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can be an ambassador, too. I mean, for everything that you believe in, just by being who you are and doing what you do and the way that you comport yourself and how you uh, treat people as you go about your daily life here and in, in around the world? Well, I, you know, I've been an ambassador for the NBA for many, many years, uh, developing the sport of basketball uh, politically uh, as well mm-hmm. uh, in different countries since the 2000s, early 2000s. So I've always done that. But at the same time, I think you try to enlighten or, or learn from people wherever you go. And so when they're around you, you try to give them a real experience of some of the things that are important to you, mm-hmm. some of the things that you'd like to see change, and in your basic conversations, just like we're having here. Right, right. Yeah, basic dialogue. The average American should, should, should have friends who are from all races, respect other cultures. Uh, education is the way, the light, and, and, and it's the future of this country. Absolutely. <laughs> So what's next for you, aside from your next time on the golf course? Well, Linda, uh, <laughs> I look forward to the next time on the golf and, and, course. And, oh, and what is his handicap, by the way? I, I'm a two handicap. I'm, I'm a two <laughs> handicap. A two. Don't, don't tell him I'm a zero. Oh, my goodness. But, okay. you know, my biggest accomplishment and what I look forward to every day is hanging with my kids. I got four kids, 31, 28, 27, 25, and two boys, two girls. I look forward to just interacting with them, watching them grow as young professionals uh, accomplishing uh, their dreams. You know, as a father, that's the best feeling you can have. And when they get off the payroll, I'm going to rejoice. (laughs) (laughs) They're not all the way off yet. Not all the way. Not all the way. (laughs) Almost, right? So um, 
Rockets, how are they going to finish off this season? My Houston Rockets, they're going to do well. And uh, James Harden has been incredible. Isn't he just Just got to get Chris Paul healthy. Eric Gordon is really good. When Capella gets back healthy, I think they'll be uh, a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. But they got to have a good mindset and just know that the game is imperfect. Uh, You don't have to have a perfect team to beat good teams. Mm -hmm. You just got to outplay them. (laughs) And that's what this game is all about. It's, there's so much bad perception when it comes to the Rockets and their chemistry. But I like their players. I like the way they play. And all they got to do is stay healthy. Well, and yes. I know if you felt differently, you would say the truth. Oh, absolutely. It is the truth. <laughs> I, I know. So, so we, have, we can look forward to the playoffs. Oh, definitely look forward. Uh, the show that James Harden is putting on is, is one for the ages. And once he gets all of his complimentary players back, yeah. I think they're going to be tough to beat in the playoffs. So my husband, Lou, whom you know, oh, I was telling me the other Lou. day. Sweet Lou, right. <laughs> so so Lou says, um, he says, you know, Linda, I don't know. I think Harden might be better than Jordan. I Because he said, you know, Harden was shooting a, a three shot from like, I don't know, almost half court the other day. And he's like, Jordan didn't have that shot. You know, what do you, what, how would you compare Harden and Jordan? I hate to compare guys. I because know, different I know. It's eras. really an unfair question. It's, it's, but. It's, it's, because Jordan was phenomenal. James yeah, is phenomenal. Yeah. They dominate in their era. Yeah. And so that's all you can look at. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate to compare because they're both friends of mine and yeah. they're both incredible guys. Yeah. Yes. Do you miss playing? I don't miss playing because I'm, I'm kind of old, <laughs> but I do miss the money. <laughs> Them big checks were so much fun. <laughs> but you know, being able to do something you love for a living yeah. uh, is, is a complete blessing and an honor. And then to do it for 15 years was, was even better. And then when it's over, I retired because really you had nothing left to give. You'd done everything. So it's only one way to go, straight downhill. When did, how, when did you retire? Because you won I, the I re- championship in 95. I, I retired in 98. In 98, so yeah, not that much. Yeah, not yeah. that much longer. I, yeah. was, I was an old man. I was in my... <laughs> 12th year when I won the championship. So well, we were so happy yeah. when you left Portland and came here. I was happier. I was <laughs> coming home and we win the championship. Come oh my on. gosh. One of, one of my favorite memories is being on the floor oh. um, of what was then, um, what was it? Compact Center. Compact Com- Summit. Summit. This, well, no. It was Compact Center. It was, right, no, it wasn't. Right. You know, I, I wasn't here during the summit days. Right. It was, it was Compact, Compact Center. Center. But right. being on the floor and interviewing you and uh-huh. Mario and yeah. Dream and, you know, the whole team. Rory, Kenny Smith. All the confetti, you know, falling all over us. It was just yeah. so much fun. So, we need to have that feeling. Yeah. Once again. The parties here. that were on Richmond and West Timer were unprecedented. They, I mean, they were epic. Yeah. yeah we're, <laughs> we want to feel that we're again. We're due for another epic party. At least this time you'll get to cover it as a, as a broadcaster exactly. for the Rockets. Exactly. How fun will that be? <laughs> Clyde, you're the best. Love you to pieces. Thank you, Amanda. Anytime you need me, I'm here. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I really appreciate it. And thank you for watching. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. (laughs) I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for giving our guests permission to speak and for having the courage to listen with an open mind. If the mission of Our Voices Matter resonates with you, please like, subscribe, download, and share. And then join the conversation because it really is going to take all of us to make a difference.